0: Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle.
1: So let me just open up the broadcast today with a confession I like to confess things. I like to disclose things. I don't get scandalous. There's nothing spiritual about, you know, scandalous sensationalism. That's not what I'm talking about. But when I say I want to confess something, it's not a sin in this case. it's uh it's just kind of something um, of a disclosure about what God's been doing in my heart, my mind, my soul. Um, really, for the better part of two years in a private journey, but very much in a more open dialogue with some that are close to me in the past six months. The Lord has really, really just been leading me into a personal journey of deeper faith commitment. It's kind of a generic description, but let me unpack it a little bit for you. The Bible, the most oft quoted statement from the Old Testament that is found in the New Testament is the statement from Habakkuk which says the justified ones will live by their faith. It's said different ways in different translations, but basically the most famous version of that is the King James, the just shall live by faith. And what that is actually teaching is those who are justified, the righteous, the saved, the children of God, those are the people that live by faith. We're not just justified by faith. We are called to a lifestyle of faith, and faith is kind of a religious-sounding word. It's a very common term, obviously, but I sometimes just like to describe faith as trust. It's an elevated level of trusting God, and for two years, the Lord has been stretching my faith. Um, I feel like that the life that God has given me ever since he radically saved and delivered me in 1994 has been a life of faith, but it hasn't always been a radical life of faith in ministry. I've done some things that most men and women never really get to do. Um, I've been able to pastor a church. I've been able to reform that church from being a loving traditional church based primarily on denominational traditions and cultural standards. That's kind of the way the church was led before I became the pastor. And I was able to transition us into a loving New Testament biblical church that submitted all traditions and human standards to the authority of the word. And that sounds awesome, but it was actually quite painful. It, it caused a lot of conflict and um, it really deepened my soul. And I learned so much through that phase. It was all done by faith. And then we took that church that had become trans, uh, transitioned and reformed over the course of about 12 years. And then we merged it. We were a Baptist church and we merged by faith with an Assemblies of God church. Say, so Jeff, why in the world would you ever help lead a Baptist church and Assemblies of God church into a merger? Well, because by faith, I read my New Testament and I saw that the early church was characterized by Word and Spirit, apost- apostolic doctrine, the Word, and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and I found um, a relationship with my friend Dustin Pennington, who was pastoring the Cornerstone Assemblies of God. At that time, I was pastoring Meadow Baptist, and we both by faith yearned to have a congregation that would affirm the gifts and the works of the Holy Spirit, but also would be grounded in the objective truth of the words of the Bible. And so we merged by faith together, laid our ministries down, and those congregations followed us into what became known as Newbridge Church. So we did that by faith and there have been some moments in life and ministry where we've done some radical stuff by faith and I don't have time to list them all, but even in the midst of all of that, I realized that my personal faith in trusting God and stepping out into the new was somewhat dormant. Um, really quite frankly, I had not heard God leading me to do anything radical by faith in years. And I'm not saying we have to jump from one radical thing to another, but the the kingdom is massive. It is immeasurable. It is as fathomless as is the character of its king, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, the idea that we have ever accomplished, achieved, or arrived at the pinnacle of the kingdom in this life is, quite frankly, it's nonsense. Um, we have to get to a place where we recognize if we're following the king then there's always going to be this concept of uh, growing in faith, going deeper, and if I can say it this way without being misunderstood, living an adventure with God. So I have been in a two-year just stretching process, and I'm going to share more about it in a couple of upcoming podcasts, but God's leading me to step out into in my own personal journey and with my family and um, in ministry just to to do something new, to step forward, to step out, to step deeper. And so all of this is rooted in my concept of the kingdom. In the last couple of podcasts, we've been talking about kingdom. And today I want to talk just briefly about the difference between the little K kingdom and capital K kingdom. So if you're somewhere where you can write, you might want to write down kingdom twice. And the first time you write it down, use a lowercase k, kingdom. And the second time you write it down, use a capital K, kingdom. (laughs) It's the difference uh, visually and in writing in the English language. It's the difference between um, an inferior version of what God is doing versus the true authentic pursuit of what God is doing. And my goal is to lead anybody I can including my own soul, my own family, and any ministry opportunities or kingdom opportunities I've got. I want to lead people into a deeper understanding of a big K kingdom, a capital K kingdom. I want you to think about this. Um, so in Acts chapter number one, in verse number six, this is 2000 years ago, the earliest followers of Jesus were, were asking the wrong question. You're going to have to use your thinking cap here. They were coming out of this season of the soul stretch where they watched their Messiah, Jesus, betrayed. They saw him horrifically beaten and crucified and then entombed. And only to see just three days later, the experience of of ecstasy of seeing him raised from the dead. And so the disciples were really eager to understand what Jesus would be doing from that point on. He had died. He rose again. He was talking with them, walking among them. Obviously, miraculous, supernatural, massive shift, undeniable works of heaven. Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. And here's what Luke records as the very last question Jesus was asked before he returned to his glorious place at the right hand of the Father you know, there was dialogue for several weeks after Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascended back to heaven and they were talking with him. And here's the last recorded question that Luke records. It's in the book of Acts that Luke wrote. And it says in Acts one, six, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They wanted to know about the kingdom because Jesus spent most of his ministry preaching about the kingdom And they were constantly misunderstanding the kingdom as a little K kingdom that pertained only to Israel. And they were basing that on their other understanding of of their Bible, what we would consider the Old Testament, but the Hebrew Bible. There were so many covenants and promises about the kingdom being Jewish in nature. And so as the Lord is now walking among them, having risen from the dead, they're expecting him, grab your throne, establish dominion you know, put down Rome, restore the kingdom to Israel. And so they asked him this very last question, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, at the risk of frustrating you, I'm not going to go into Jesus's answer to that, but I'll summarize it by just saying he he said to them, you don't understand the kingdom. (laughs) Jesus said to his closest followers who had witnessed his life, death, resurrection, all the miracles he'd done, um, all the sermons that he preached. And at the end of it, right before he's going back to heaven, he, he, they're asking him, okay, is now the kingdom coming? And he basically says, you guys don't understand the kingdom and I'm just going to risk it. They didn't understand it. And I don't think most of us understand it either. I think we all are living with a little K version of the kingdom of God. And that is not what Jesus Christ came to establish and to offer and has called us to advance. It's not a little K kingdom. It's not an American kingdom. It's not a liberal kingdom. It's not a conservative kingdom. It's not a Republican democratic kingdom. It's not a 21st century kingdom. Um, It's a big K kingdom that spans the entire created order, the cosmos and yes, planet earth and it will be established. But their, their question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It reveals that, I mean, literally after three years by their, by his side, the disciples still did not comprehend the mission of their master. They they were thinking way too small about his kingdom. And so they, in essence, they downsized the mission of Jesus to be all about their nation when Jesus came to earth, not to establish just something for Israel, but to establish a cosmic kingdom. But they downsized their understanding of his mission. And they took it from a big K kingdom to a little K kingdom. And again, remember, they had seen all the miracles. They had heard all the sermons and they had themselves been authorized and empowered to work the miraculous they they heard jesus tear into hypocritical religion he tore into it and they heard that and they stood nearby as jesus developed patterns of welcoming like notorious sinners into his presence alongside of welcoming innocent little children into his you know hallowed presence and he did them both with equal grace And Jesus gave those disciples everything that they needed, but they still missed the full understanding of his mission. And guys, they were looking for a little K movement from him, little K. But Jesus came to establish a capital K kingdom, all encompassing, dominion, and glory. Matter of fact, it's not just a capital K kingdom, it's an all caps kingdom. And guys, this is still mission of Jesus. And it's going to be the enduring reality for all of the ages. Now I'm going to go easy on those early disciples because they, they weren't actually privy to everything that we're privy to. They didn't have the full disclosure of the new Testament. We do. And at the point referenced there in the book of Acts, that question that they asked um, at that point, they still did not even possess the Holy spirit. Pentecost hadn't happened yet. And Jesus had promised them the Holy spirit's going to come. And he's going to lead you into all truth. They had been taught their whole lives about the little K kingdom for Israel. So that's the only conception they had of the kingdom of God. And so let's don't be too hard on them because it would have been really, really challenging for them to embrace the capital K or or the all caps kingdom that Jesus actually came to make his reality. So if I'm being honest, you know, we suffer today sometimes from the exact same disease that those early believers suffered from. And yet, here comes the dagger. We actually don't have the same excuses that they had. We have more than they ever had, but we're still reaching the same wrong conclusion that the kingdom is kind of narrow and small and it looks a lot like us in the 21st century Western church. And, you know, guys, we, we've been given capital K, all caps, kingdom disclosure, but let's just be honest. We're often guilty of living little K kingdom lives. Your kingdom is too small. Your vision of God's kingdom is too small. I'm preaching that to me too. I may have a greater understanding of God's kingdom than I used to, but it's still not as big as it needs to be. And so if, if if we're still in that place in our Christian journey where the external components of the kingdom of god mean the most to us then we may still go on and struggle with a capital k kingdom mindset forgive me for repeating it over and over capital k little k capital k little k but i'm trying to get you to see there's a massive difference and most christians that you know live in a lowercase k kingdom mentality and because of that they're narrower than they should be you and i are narrower in our understanding and our living out of the kingdom than we are supposed to be. And so we've got to start thinking differently. What does it look like? So what's the difference between capital K kingdom and little K kingdom? Let's just start with ministry. Little K ministry, little K will be exclusive and it'll likely keep more people out than it welcomes in. That's little K. It looks like denominational loyalties. Some of you are part of big denominations. I'm not anti-denomination. Please don't misread me on that. I think denominations can facilitate good ministry, but the mindset in almost every denomination is that the denominational loyalties must thrive. And so it produces little k Christians. A lot of walls, very few bridges are found among denominations and little kers. Can I call them that little kers? Fear will thrive in little k kingdom hearts. Fear thrives there. Danger, danger, danger. It's too big. It's too broad. It's too liberal. It's too inclusive. Um, And so the fear comes and it becomes exclusive. Who can we keep out and what kind of rules and regulations and standards can we erect to keep people out because we want the kingdom to look like us? And you may think I'm being too hard. I'm really not. I've been doing this a minute. (laughs) I've been around this for a long time. And the kingdom of God, I mean, Jesus blew the minds of people when he came and ministered, because he came to a very exclusive, and what I mean by that is excluding, keep out kind of mindset among the people of the little K kingdom that thought it was all about Israel and thought it was all about Moses and thought it was all about circumcision and Sabbath keeping and all of that. And Jesus comes in, he's wrecking all of that, and he's welcoming drunks and tax collectors and prostitutes to repent and enter into the kingdom of God. And the little k people don't like that because these people that are following Jesus don't think like us, don't look like us, don't dress like us, and don't hold our values. And you know why? Because their values were little k, and Jesus's values were capital K. So fear thrives in little kingdom hearts. All the what ifers, the the, the, the what ifers. They shout down the, well, let's seeers. <laughs> you know, you got some people say, let's see, let's see what God is going to do. And then little k people are like, ah, what if? And so fear thrives there. And like little k gatherings. If you ever go to a little K gathering, a church or a ministry, if it's little K, it's going to be tight. It's going to be hard to breathe in there. And when you do breathe, the the air is stale because it's recycled generational air. Having been the same air breathed in and out for decades, it's just thoughtless and mindless. It's little K. It's suffocating. I've, hey, look, guys, I'm, Let me. I'm not, I'm not being ugly here. I've been a little K husband. I've been a little K dad. I have been at times a little K Christian, a little K pastor, so I I know of what I speak here. And the more I studied the scriptures, the more I saw just how little my K was, how little my kingdom was compared to the big K kingdom that Jesus still offers and that the apostles actually blueprinted in the writings of the New Testament. I want it out when I started seeing that in the Bible, I wanted out. I was like, oh my goodness, I am stuck in the box of little K kingdom. I got to get out of here. I want what I see in my Bible. And so, you know, King Jesus, capital K King Jesus was gracious to me and my previous, you know, blind heartedness. He sent his word out. And it shepherded me forward, advanced me into a more clarified comprehension of what it is that he's actually offering to his people and Listen, Jesus can use many of the things in the world of the little K in order to serve the capital K. But the problem arises when we forget the capital K calling because the little K is easier and quicker and more pleasing to our flesh. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. Capital K kingdom living is more liberating, but it also loosens your grip. You can't control the capital K kingdom. It's bigger than you power, power hungry people will control little K kingdom, whether they be pastors or leaders or parents or heads of household or, you know, whatever, those that live in a little K version of the kingdom, they control it. It's it ultimately becomes about them, what they say, how they do things, what their preferences are, what their standards are. And Jesus will never ever enduringly bless that he may tolerate it he may use it he may seek to grow people out of it but eventually there's a hard stop on the little k kingdom because it gets to the point where it actually rivals the big k kingdom you heard me right little k kingdoms eventually become rivals to the big k kingdom and that is why jesus christ himself will eventually fight against a little k version of the kingdom religion what let's just let me stop for a second And explain a little bit, maybe to help you understand the difference between Little K Kingdom and Big K Kingdom. Little K Kingdom is man-centered, it's man-originated, it's man-handled. Big K Kingdom is Christ-centered, it is scripture-based, and it is led, facilitated, and advanced by God the Spirit. The Little K Kingdom is restriction and religion, while capital K is Release and relationship. Little K is self-serving and self-contained. Capital K, self-denying, self-sacrificing. Always, capital K kingdom is going to eventually be risky and messy. Frankly, you don't need a whole lot of faith to live in a lowercase K kingdom. You just need to learn some rules. You need to some perfect some skills. You need to, you know, get consensus on the messaging, and then you have to control it with all of your might so that it never gets out of line. That's lowercase k, and that is religion. That is overt denominationalism. That is unquestioning tradition. That is the mindset of the kingdom of God looks like me, my generation, my values, and that is not what Jesus came to advance. To the degree that our standards and our values and our priorities align with his kingdom, the little K kingdom can hold value. But when the little K kingdom becomes an end of itself, where we're advancing a component of the big K kingdom, but not the fullness of the big K kingdom, then we're in trouble. Why? Because the big K kingdom, Jesus's kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that will endure forever is in this season the age of grace and the age of faith, it's risky, it's messy, it bucks the status quo. This podcast is called Mavericks and Misfits. And part of the reason why is because Mavericks and Misfits have tasted of the Big K Kingdom and they are ruined forever for the Little K Kingdom. And they don't fit in. And they don't play by the rules. That's what it means to be a Maverick. You, you're you not a rebel. You just don't play by the rules just because the rules are there. You want to know if the rules are valid. That's a maverick. And a misfit is one who's because he or she has decided, you know, I just want what God wants. You're not going to, you're not going to fit in right in the lower K kingdom. By God's grace, I escaped little K living. And now he's been calling me to endeavor to lead other people out. Also people like you. So if you want to swap your little K for a capital K, you can. So what, what about capital K living? What does it really mean to live in the kingdom of God? What does that look like? First of all, when you live there, you're going to prioritize people over policies. You're going to prioritize truth over tradition and trends. I've said this for years. Um, my, my umbrella ministry, Transforming Truth, you can go to transformingtruth.org and you can read all about it, but that's the umbrella ministry that Mavericks and Misfits is under. And it's said for years that traditions enslave us Trends deceive us, but truth transforms us. And so Big K Kingdom will always prioritize truth over tradition and trends. Um, Big K Kingdom prioritizes love over legality. And love I define as seeking the highest good of the other person. Love is not that we never correct or we never challenge or we never rebuke. That's not love. That's indulgence. But true biblical love seeks the highest good of the other person, and Big K Kingdom prioritizes that over legality, love over legality, blessedness over busyness. Little K Kingdom will run you into the ground saying it is best to be busy. No, it's not best to be busy. Though we are to be zealous unto good works, we must choose those works wisely, and we must operate from the standpoint that we are already accepted. We're not busy in order to be accepted. We may be busy in our acceptance. Why? Because we are living a life of blessedness. Big K Kingdom prioritizes revelation over rules. That means your Bible trumps every tradition. Your Bible is the measure. Revelation means we hear from God through the scriptures, through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, through the prophetic word that God releases, the rhema in our generation. And it's not about rules. Religion will saddle you down with rules. That's what the Pharisees did. Jesus said, you lay upon them burdens that you yourselves cannot even keep. That's what he said to the Pharisees. So revelation trumps rules. And then ultimately power over pretense. You know, pretense is fakery pretense is, you know, wearing a mask. It's hypocrisy. And we don't want any of that. That's the little K living. We want power. Paul said, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power, demonstration of the spirit power. So think about it. What does big K kingdom look like? It prioritizes people, prioritizes truth, prioritizes love, prioritizes being blessed and not busy or not just busy. It prioritizes revelation the truth of the word and it power prioritizes the power of God let me just ask you is that your life people first obviously God is first but the second commandment is like the first commandment that we're to love people is your life about truth over tradition do you, do you know why you believe what you believe or did you just accept it because that's what your church said your pastor said your denomination said what if it doesn't say the same thing as the bible says and big k kingdom prioritizes love prioritizes blessedness prioritizes revelation and power that's what our lives are supposed to look like in our churches and our families by the way if, if you're thinking about big k over little k you're drawn to the outcasts when you embrace the capital k faith you you regularly go outside of the camp and beyond the minimum capital k living plays out seven days a week Little K, not so much. Little K lets you just do your thing on Sundays without much expectancy the rest of the week. That's what Little K is. It's about showing up to church on Sundays, doing your two hours, and therefore you've done your religious duty. That is Little K, and listen, that is coming to an end. And as a capital K citizen in the kingdom, a citizen of the capital K kingdom, you're actually deeply concerned with pleasing your king, King Jesus. And you become less concerned about everybody else cheering you on or giving you their approval. Some of you, listen, I'm just going to tell you, some of you need to get out of the lowercase k because you're a slave to people's opinion. You fear what people will say, what people will do. You fear losing their approval. You fear not being part of the club anymore. You fear what they're going to say. You're going to be called a compromiser. You're going to be called a fanatic. You're going to be called a radical. And so you're bound up in the chase of little K kingdom approval when God's inviting you to watch, walk in capital K kingdom liberty, pleasing your king and not concerned with everybody else, you know, in your raw rock corner. When you're part of the capital K kingdom, you're not sitting around, stop watching your daily prayers. You actually enjoy praying, no matter how long or how short your prayers are. And then in the capital K kingdom, your Bible's reading, your Bible study, it moves from the motive of gathering knowledge or doing your, okay, checklist, I've got my Bible reading done. It moves from that routinely completing some enforced understanding of how I must have a quiet time or systematizing your theology. Some of you love theology more than you love Jesus. Ooh. I felt the Lord on that. Some of you love theology more than you love Jesus. And you're thinking to yourself, well, aren't they the same? No, they're not the same. Theology simply means words about God. That's the the, um, root of that meaning. Theos, God, logos is word or teaching of. Teaching of God is theology. It's not the same thing. Teaching about God is not the same thing as having a relationship with God. But little K kingdom, they will systematize theology and make that the end of the race. And the end of the race is never theology. The end of the race is the God who we develop theology concerning. And some people just want to develop theology so they can win a religious debate. That's little K kingdom. It is little K kingdom. And so we're gonna we we're just gonna move into the world of rejoicing and resting in a personal God's self-disclosure as he gives it in the scripture it's not about just studying systematized theology it's about oh man I want to I want to read my Bible because I want to know God I want to know who he is I want to know his love I want to know his grace I want to know his plan I want to know his glory and so in a capital K kingdom you become literally more about setting people free and enabling you know them to walk in the future that God has planned for them instead of controlling them Instead of us controlling them, we release them into the, their God-ordained futures. We help them. We set them free under that. Um, listen, if, you, if you're a leadership type of person, in capital K kingdom, that kind of living, you become a happy servant instead of like a controlling tyrant. Little K kingdom leaders are controllers. Run from them. They will never take you to where you need to go. So we got to look beyond the American dream in the church of getting an education, developing a career, living in prosperity, enjoying my leisure, and entering into retirement. That's the American dream. Education, career, prosperity, leisure, retirement. And we actually need to start getting back to the capital K kingdom mindset and recognize that the end of the race is not retirement. The end of the race is actually the Bema seat of Jesus Christ, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And that's the end of the line because that's where we'll be rewarded for exchanging our little K life for his capital K life. There's actually going to be a great reward. People that live for little K kingdom are going to lose rewards. Some of them may not get any reward, but if you will enter into that exchange and say, I've got to know, it's not about him restoring my version of the kingdom. It's about me finding his version of the kingdom and advancing that. So let me wrap some things up here. So the longer, I think I did say this, the longer I ponder the capital K reality, the more I hunger for righteous freedom. My my children, I, you know, they're not kids anymore. They're not little anymore. But my children are going to be offered a capital K kingdom from their parents. And they'll, consequently, they're going to know that it'll cost them their little K kingdom. Our kids and our grandkids need to na- know that. That there's an exchange give up your little k whatever that looks like god will show you and say yes to the capital k kingdom you know I'm, I'm I'm a leader i'm a pastor that's what i've done for you know most of my christian life and as god allows me to continue in my journey as a pastor i, I intend to point all the people i can into the beauty of a capital k kingdom life and mission i don't have any interest in perpetuating a Bible-belt, Americanized, 20th, 21st century version of the kingdom. It's it's sourced in hell because it makes a facet of the kingdom to be the entire kingdom, and it rips people off, and it brings them up short of all that Jesus died to provide for them. Listen to me. Some of you are not living in the fullness of what it cost Jesus' life to provide for you, and that's wrong. You, you can't settle It's like when the children of Israel went to the promised land, there were a couple of tribes that didn't want to go fully into the promised land. They, they, they really didn't. I think it was the, um, Gad and half tribe of Manasseh. They, they just said, Oh, this is far enough. We'll start here. And, and, You know, Joshua tore into him and he said, hey, no, you're going to fight. You may go back to live here if you want, but you're going to go all the way into the land and you're going to fight with your brothers and you're going to live up to what God's call is on your life. And I see that same thing in our days. Jesus died to provide big K kingdom freedom to all of us. And so many people are settling for little K religion. And I get stirred up about it. So what I'm learning is that, frankly, we're all looking for inwardly this big K experience. Some people just don't know how to find it it's because leaders aren't offering it. And I think people are afraid because when you've lived so long in the lowercase, the capital life seems foreign. The capital K life seems foreign to you. But guys, I've, I've learned this, that the exchange is worth it. I've learned that. I believe that. My faith is convinced that moving forward and risking it taking your lumps, disappointing people, walking away. Sometimes you got to walk away, but it's worth it. I've learned that, and I hope you will too. So I would just say that those those followers of Jesus in Acts 1-6 that asked the question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, they were actually asking the wrong question. But, hallelujah, Jesus sent them the right answer. (laughs) And that began to unfold just a short time later, for them on the day of Pentecost. They asked the wrong question. He told them, basically, you don't know what you're talking about. You're asking the wrong question. But he actually sent them the right answer because the early church (laughs) went all capital K on the world. I mean, they did. The early church went all capital K on the world to the extent that soon enough, one of the slanders that came against the early church was they said of them, these people have turned the world upside down you remember that from Acts 17, 6? So just in a short amount of time after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, the testimony about the church, and it was from people that didn't like it, but they couldn't deny it. They said, these Christians have turned the world upside down. Why? Because they were living for and in a different kingdom than everybody else. I'd put it this way. They, they upsized everybody's understanding. By offering a capital K to those who had been living for the little K. Hey, blessed are those that upsize the kingdom. And I think some of you are born for that. So those are my thoughts today. Listen, as we close out Mavericks and Misfits, I, I just want to encourage you. Keep tuning in. Keep listening. Think about these things. I'm an exhorter. I don't have a thousand spiritual gifts. I like to take what the Bible says and I like to exhort you to press into that. But I also love to set you free to get into the presence of the Lord because I'm convinced of this. When we'll bring a surrendered heart and an open hand and a bowed knee to the big K king, Jesus Christ, um, he will lead us and he'll lead us beautifully and powerfully. And so as we close today, I want to encourage you, keep pressing in. You're not done yet. There's more for you. You may be one of the few people that will answer the call to radically by faith 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 it's time for you to be walking in faith that means changes must come that means risk must be taken that means you start living for the applause of heaven instead of the applause of people on earth what a fickle crowd humanity is quit living for their approval and start saying jesus i want to bring pleasure to you Time's gone. Hey, listen, check out transformingtruth.org. Lots of resources there. Keep tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. I've got a big announcement I'm going to be sharing with you very soon, and uh, I hope that it'll be a blessing to you. I know it's already a blessing to me, so I'm baiting you a little bit with that. Keep tuning in. Big announcements coming up probably in the next episode, if not that one, the one after. God bless. We'll see you next time.
0: Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography titled Figuring It Out As I Go shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24 and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.